0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Well, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Of course, we won't have the notes up there, so you're going to have to listen real close we're going we're going to go old school church you know we won't have the screen up there we're we we introduced it last week a, a new series that we're doing th- this month on the kingdom of god It's very important because you know you're in the kingdom of god did you know that and so if you're in the kingdom of god it would be good to know what that kingdom is about we talked about that last week a little bit introduced what the kingdom of god is that the kingdom of God is inclusive. It is the rule, the reign of the of God, which includes heaven and earth and hell and men and demons and everything, it includes the church. So we're part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God when he was here on his earthly ministry, talked about what it was. You know, he, he talked about, he said, uh, when the power of God or by the finger of God when he cast out a demon drove out a demon he said then the kingdom of god's come near you so wherever the the rule of god is enforced wherever the the power of god is in manifestation we see the kingdom being revealed and today we're going to talk about some of the operative powers of the kingdom and you know uh, again understanding it, what it means to be a part of the kingdom we could kind of compare that to Uh, being a citizen here in the United States, you know, uh, you need to know what your rights are, don't you? Because if you don't know what your rights are, you can be taken advantage of. And on the other hand, you could have certain privileges and rights that you're not taking advantage of. So either way, you come out losing, though you didn't have to if you knew what your rights were. So as a part of the kingdom of God, we need to understand this. You know, Jesus said this about the kingdom. He said, Seek first the kingdom. Well, if I don't know what it is, (laughs) you know, it's like somebody come over, you know, see you searching around outside your house, and your neighbor comes over there and said, "Uh, What are you looking for? Can I help you look for it? Sure can. And you start looking around, finally it dawns on them, Well, what are we looking for? Well, I don't know. See, we need to know what it is. We, we laugh about that, but, you know, we read that where it says in Matthew 6, we probably all know that verse about as well as we know John 3, 16. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Well, what is the kingdom? What is it we're seek- we're to be seeking? So he, he said to do that. And then also Jesus, in teaching us how to pray, he said, pray this. He said, pray, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is it, this thing? We're, I mean, he said to seek it. He said to, to pray that in, in the model prayer that he gave us. So in all of this, we need to understand what the kingdom is about so that, you know, we're not just, you know, because if we don't understand something uh, from the scriptures, what we tend to do is we tend to just kind of get, uh, you know, churchy and religious about it. You know what I mean by that? I mean, you know, it's just yeah, that's something we say, that's something we do, but it you know it's just filler, it really has no meaning, it has no power in our life, it's just you know that's what we do, we seek the kingdom. well, what is that? I don't know, but that's what we're doing <clears throat> I wouldn't want to get on a be getting on an airplane, and over here the the pilot you know talking to the co-pilot saying, you know boy, this is my first time to fly this seven sixty seven I think I might want to make a ticket change. I might want to, even if it costs me some money. I'll, you know, we're to be in the know, and we can be in the know about the kingdom. And here's the thing whenever we conduct our lives outside of the kingdom of God, then we're no longer living under the authority and the power of the kingdom. And this is our problem most of the time is that we're not living under the power and the authority of the kingdom because we really don't understand the kingdom. So we're just living, as Paul wrote the Corinthians, like natural men. We're just living our life the same way everybody else does. We're living it from the impulses of our flesh, from the, the limited understanding of our mind. We're subject to things and circumstances just like everybody else. We react the way people in the world react. We we're, we're just conduct our lives just like everybody else. And if the church lives that way, then how can we be the light that Jesus said to be? how can we be the salt that we Jesus said to be there should be something as we live under the rule and the reign and the authority of the kingdom that all of a sudden not only is it transformative in our lives but it is something that is seen by other people not in the kingdom and it is attractive the kingdom of god is attractive if it hasn't been attractive that's not god's fault it's been the church's fault cuz we're the chief representatives of the kingdom right now this is the church age and so right now the church we are to be revealing not only jesus not only the father but his kingdom as well okay so we're going to conduct this so we're going to talk about the operative powers of the kingdom of god first corinthians 4 i just want to remind you of this i could quote it probably good to turn over there because we don't have the screen up Four twenty Paul made this statement. He said, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power power, authority, power. this is what the kingdom of God the kingdom of God's about power the one one thing among one chief thing and many other things that distinguish Christianity from all other quote unquote religions is that Not only do we serve a living God, but it is a kingdom and a God of power. Are you listening? Power. Now, when Paul said this, what is he talking about? He's talking about the miraculous strength and power and authority of God. That is a part of the kingdom that we live in. You know, I talked to you, you know, I was exhorting you this morning in our worship, in our prayer time, about the miraculous, God's a God of miracles. Listen, church, never let go of that fact. Are you listening? Listen. We, we, don't live, we don't have a miracle happening every day in our lives, you know, in the sense that we usually think about a miracle. I don't need a miracle every day in my life. But if I can learn to live in the kingdom, I can live a miraculous life every day. And if I learn to live in the kingdom and live under that power and authority and live that miraculous life every day, I'm going to find less and less that I need those spectacular type of miracles to meet a need in my life. Are you listening? So when he talks about uh, uh, the kingdom of God being one of power, don't just think about, you know, that miraculous thing where, you know, I'm sure we've all experienced it. We had a an emergency. We had a need. Our back was to the wall. We prayed and we believed God, and bang, God came through. We've all had that, haven't we? Probably many times. But listen, you, you know, that is not the norm. Are you listening? The norm is is that we live, learn to live in the kingdom of God under the power and authority of that kingdom. And, you know, and then we just live a life that is miraculous. Now, these powers, these chief operative powers, that we want to look at three of them today. Now, when I share these with you, here's the thing. Because you've heard of these before, the temptation is to check out, to change the channel. Don't do that. Are you listening? Okay. The chief operative powers, they are what? Faith, hope, love. Look over, you're right there in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. Don't check out on me now. <laughs> now let me just say these, this about these three. We're going to read this from Paul in a minute. Now, all of us, we love the miraculous. Man, I love it to see somebody miraculously healed. Boy, that's a thrill, isn't it? Man, oh, man. See, see God move, uh, you know, supernaturally and provide, make provision for somebody. That's awesome, isn't it? The God to supernaturally provide a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. or that. We, we love all that. But do you know what? Those things that we look at that way, do you know what? one day they're going to pass away. But the operative powers of faith, hope, and love, Paul is going to show us here, they're going to be a part of the kingdom throughout eternity. See, we need to put things in perspective and understand that. Paul here in 1 Corinthians, he said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So I I just calling these the operative powers of the kingdom. By that I mean this is how we primarily live under the authority, the rule, and the reign of the kingdom of God. And see, when when I when I live my life outside of faith, outside of love, when I lose hope, then what have I done? I brought myself back under a natural rule and reign of this earth, of this planet, of my circumstances, just like everybody else. And there, that's it. And whatever I'm capable to do by myself in my flesh, that's what I got. But God wants us to live on a higher plane than that. Okay? So faith. The first one we're we'll to look at is faith. Faith, we hear, you've heard so much about faith. What is it? It is a confidence, it is an assurance, it is a persuasion, and it is a belief. A confidence, it is a confidence what? In God. It is a confidence in God. It is an unshakable assurance, confidence, and persuasion in God, in who He is, in His character. Listen, you need to get to know the character of God. A lot, of the, a lot of the doubts that come against us and and, and and overtake us at times is because, what, we begin to doubt or we're not fully persuaded that God is who He is. And I don't mean just that God has power, but that God is love. Are you listening? God is wise. God is working. Even when these things can't see He's working. Because the Bible says... That faith is the evidence of what we can't see. Isn't that true? Faith is the evidence. And if there's anything that the enemy would like for you to, to, to bring into your life, is for you to be flying your plane by sight. Now, Dr. Vickers is here. He's a pilot. He knows what I mean. You know, <clears throat> see, flying your... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. V, but... When you first started flying, you, that's how you flew, wasn't it? it was by sight. That, w- but that was elementary flying, wasn't it? And so you fly by sight. And see, a lot of times this is what Christians doing. We're flying our life by sight. See, it's elementary. See, and that's a wonderful way to fly when the weather's clear. <laughs> But you know, so often and so many times in our lives, it's been my case, I don't know about yours, but there's been some clouds and some rain and some storms there. And and you know, if you ever just even if you're not a pilot, pilot have you ever been just on the ground and got socked in, what we call a socked in fog? I don't know, I've never been, but that would probably be like flying into a cloud, wouldn't it, Dr. V, kind of like that? I mean, all of a sudden, you lose your bearings, don't you? Wait a minute. Where's up? Where's down? Where's... Poof? And you just flew into a building. And so faith is, a, is a being fully persuaded. It's believing before we can see. Faith in God, in who God is, and faith in His Word, in the Scriptures, in the Bible, that brings us to a whole new level of flying our plane, if you will. Now we're in the kingdom. Because just in the natural, you graduate from flying by sight to flying by instruments. And that's a whole lot safer way and a lot more sure way to fly your plane. If you will learn to trust your instrumentation. And we have instrumentation in the Bible. And the Scriptures also say we have instrumentation on the inside of us called the Holy Spirit. When He has come, Jesus said, what's the first thing He said He would do? Guide you. He's going to guide you. We need to learn, and then again, this is all by faith in the kingdom. We need to learn and trust and depend on the Holy Spirit within us. That He's guiding me. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, one of the ways He does that is He bears witness with your spirit on the inside of you. You ever been thinking about making a decision or praying about making a decision, and, and you're thinking about that, and something I don't, you can't explain it always, but something just says, mm, something's not right here. I don't know. I, don't, I just think I oughtn't to do this. But this thing up here said, Oh, it'll be all right. Some of y'all laughing, you've, you've done that too. And you went by this thing up here and you found out what the mm, down here was. That was the Holy Spirit witnessing to you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Man, I tell you, I've had the Holy Spirit tell me, that. "Don't do it," and I did it. And you know what? Afterwards, I said, "I shouldn't have done it." <laughs> but see, we have an inner guidance, a faith guidance mechanism, the Holy Spirit in us, and the Scriptures, God's Word, the Bible, uh, that that we look to, and those two instrumentations are primarily what we use to live in the kingdom by faith. Are you listening? By faith. Faith is believing before seeing. Faith gives substance to our hope. Faith is brought about. The potential for faith comes from the Scriptures. Paul said it this way. He said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, that's the potential. Are you listening? But there's another step to that, and that is that we must act upon our faith. It takes faith. James said it this way. Faith without corresponding action is like the body without breath. Are you listening? You know... I, I, I've been to a lot of funerals. Probably you have too. Conducted a number of them, but I've been to a lot of funerals, and I've never been to the funeral where the person we were holding the funeral for was sitting up or standing down at the front. They're always lying down, aren't they? It's impossible for them to stand or sit. Why? There's no life in it. There's no life in it. It it's a corpse. It's their earth house, isn't it? They've gone. And see, here's the thing. Faith, that's what Paul was saying. Faith without corresponding action is like a corpse at a funeral. It's dressed up, it's pretty, but they can't do anything. There's no expression. There's no action. There's no strength there. And so we we have to understand that in this kingdom, we're talking about the operative powers of the kingdom. Faith, we have to have corresponding action. We read over there where, where the Bible says, you know, that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, corresponding action is hey, you know what? I've got a need here in my life. Maybe it's healing for your body, maybe it's a financial need, maybe it's something for a family member. Well, when you read that, that scripture, faith comes, the potential for faith comes to you, but where faith really is made mine, is when I choose to act on that faith that's come to me. Then it becomes mine. And as I act on it, I'm exercising faith. And we know this, what does exercise do for the body? It strengthens it, doesn't it? When, when I exercise faith, you know what happens? It gets stronger. It gets stronger. Now, the antithesis of faith is doubt. Is doubt. Anybody ever had to deal with doubt? Raise the other foot, but I'd fall. Of course we do. We live in this world. We're still human beings. We're not perfected yet. Well, maybe one or two of you are. But the rest of us are not perfected yet. I shouldn't say we're, I don't want to speak for you. But we're not perfected yet. So we we deal with doubts that try to come against us. And see, this is where faith is so important. You know, last month we talked about the armor of God, the shield of faith. And so this is the operative power of the kingdom of God. All the promises of God operate by faith. Isn't that true? Yes, we receive them by faith. God works in our life according to our faith. How many times did we hear Jesus say throughout his ministry to people, according to your faith, be it done to you? And you know, it is being done to us according to our faith. Are you listening? And you say, well, I don't like what's being done to me. Well, there's a very simple remedy. Number one, you can get back into the Scriptures and begin to feed your faith. Number two, you can take time to get quiet and still and get in contact with the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you and allow Him to lead and guide you. Because if the Holy Spirit is... Saying, go this way, but I'm purposing to go this way. Then, you know, that conflict there, even though I'm saying, you know, this is what God says. I found out this. God has many ways to fulfill His promise in my life. Uh, When it comes to financial need. Anybody ever had a financial need? And I'm sure, just like with sin and I, you can testify that God's met that need. But you know what? God's met that need in, a, in, a, in a various ways. Sometimes it was a spectacular way. Sometimes it would look like a, re- a very mundane way. And many times it was dependent on what? Me listening to the Holy Spirit, the witness of the Holy Spirit, to know, the, you know which way God wanted me to cooperate with Him. Because he's going this way and, and I'm going this way, you know, it's going to be kind of hard for two of us to walk together, as the scripture say, unless we're in agreement. So the antithesis of faith is doubt. Doubt usually comes about because either, either I don't know what God has said or what? I'm not in tune with the Holy Spirit and cooperating with Him. And now listen, that's everybody Personal responsibility is to get to know the Holy Spirit in your life. Everybody's personal responsibility is to what? Strengthen and feed your own faith. That's why I say you come on Sunday mornings and this is a good time together. But listen, you can't live off of this all week. Are you listening? How many of you, how many of you work at J-O-B of some kind? Yeah. You know. Could you work that job if you ate one meal a week? You might start out pretty strong, but I bet you about the time hump day got there, you'd be feeling it, wouldn't you? Especially if you've got a job that, that requires very much physical activity. By the end of the week, wow. And your boss comes up to you and says, oh, by the way, I need you to work a double. Boy, I wasn't expecting that. See, here's the thing, you know, life has a way of throwing things at us, doesn't it? Unexpected things happen. The crisis of life comes. The trials of life come. You know, and here's the thing. You know, at that point in time, And I've seen this through the years. What throws so many people is is they have not kept their faith up strong. They've not kept up that, that fellowship and in tune with the Holy Spirit. And so the crisis comes, the difficulty comes, and they're trying to manage the crisis. And at the same time, get over here and build up their faith. And at the same time, when everything's hollering at you, trying to learn how to listen to the witness of the Holy Spirit. And that's why... People say, well, I don't understand. Why didn't it work for me? Or why didn't it work for them? I mean, they're they're good Christians. They're good people. And, And I say amen to that. They are. But here's the thing. You know that I can set up a scenario whereby I could outrun Hussein Bolt. Anybody know who Hussein Bolt is? The fastest man in the world. I mean, he's, got, he's so fast, he's got a lightning bolt on his name, Hussein Ball. That's his name, too. But did you know what? In a 100-meter race, I could set up a scenario where I could beat him every time. He starts in the starting block. I start at the 99-meter. <laughs> I think I could take him. If not, I'll push it up some. But see, what happens is... Is, is We say that, we, we say, you know, Hussein Bolt is kind of like, you know, he's kind of like, you know, uh, the Word of God and our faith and our life. And, you know, and we wait until the crisis of life has got us at the 99-meter point, the 99-yard point. I'll convert it for us Americans, okay. And, and, you know, but our prayers and everything are starting back here at the starting line. And so, before they can catch up, guess what? Calamity has already overtaken us. We need to understand as we live. This is why Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom. He said, Seek first the kingdom. And when we learn to live in the kingdom, and we're staying kingdom minded, and and we're living in faith, we're living in love, we're living in hope, we're living in the operative powers of the kingdom, we are ready, we are prepared for anything that comes our way. Now, what if as a body of believers, we all live in the kingdom that way? And when something comes against you, man, i jump right in there in agreement. What do you say? If two of you shall agree... Oh, hallelujah. So all of a sudden, I don't run as fast as Hussein Bolt. I run twice as fast as he runs. Or the scripture says, if one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. But too often, when we want to come into agreement, your faith is strong and mine's like, So how much of agreement is there there? We need to learn to live in the kingdom, folks. One of those operative powers is faith. The next one we're going to look at is love. Love is the greatest, Paul said, of the operative powers of the kingdom. Love is the greatest. The Bible teaches us in 1 John, you you can read it over there, 1 John uh, chapter 4 verse 8, says that God is love. God, so that. That's understandable why this would be, so to speak, the greatest operative power because of all the descriptors that is used about God. This is the paramount descriptor of His, if you will, His essence, of His personality, of who He is. More than anything else, God is love. This is why the Bible says about love, it never fails because God can't fail. Says love believes the best of everybody. You know it. You know, being a critic is such a burden. Yeah, I mean it is. Being a critic is such a burden because you've got to be an expert. You've got to have it all together, isn't that right? I mean, you know, that'd be like me. I've never flown a plane in my life, and 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 go flying. With Dr. V, and, and I'm up there criticizing how he's flying the plane. Well, I don't know nothing. The first thing about flying a plane, if I had to fly it, we'd be in trouble. So I'm saying, uh, being a critic, there's a, lot, there's a lot of weight on that. I've got to be an expert about everything. I've got to be just so sure that I'm right about everything that I can point out how you're wrong about everything. <laughs> Isn't that right? Sure. And that's a heavy burden. I mean, you know, you know, just let go of your critic credentials. Isn't that right? Just give them up, turn them in. See, God is a God of love. We don't have to. I don't. You know, I'm so glad I don't have to judge anybody. I mean, you know, I used to run into people. You know, they, you know, they're wanting to split hairs about you know who's going to get in heaven. Do you think this bunch is going to get in? And what about that bunch? And what about the people that's never heard? And what about the people over here? and what, You know, I, I just stopped and I said, listen. I said, here's what I can tell you. If God lets them in, it will be all right with me. <laughs> God's in charge of all that, isn't he? God's the one that's looking on the hearts of people, isn't he? Aren't you glad that God didn't judge you by that bonehead thing you did one time? <laughs> but he looked on your heart. <laughs> so just, We just give up. When we live in the kingdom, it makes us free. I don't have to judge anybody. I don't have to straighten everybody out. I don't have to decide who gets in and who doesn't, who should be blessed and who doesn't, who I should pray for and who I shouldn't. Just love everybody. Isn't that what, doesn't it say that God loves everybody? He sends His rain on the just and the unjust. Isn't that right? He's merciful. When we don't deserve mercy, He's merciful. Oh, hallelujah. So so we love like God loves. The Bible says that God's love, Romans 5, tells us this, that His love has been poured into us as children of God now, and that love is in us, and that we just need to give expression to it. How do we do that? We forgive people. Yeah, but you don't know what they said. I know. Forgive them anyway. You don't know what they did. I know. Forgive them anyway. This operative power of love is so important that Jesus put this qualifier on it. He says, if you don't walk in love and forgive those who've done you wrong, He said, your Heavenly Father will not walk in love and forgive you when you've done wrong. Whoa. That tells me this is a good time to let go of some stuff. Don't hang on to any unforgiveness. Don't hang on to any judgment or any critics. Don't let, hang on to any of that stuff. Let it go. Because probably, that the Lord tarries, you're going to need forgiveness. Probably. <laughs> For some of us, definitely, but for, you know, definitely, all of us are in the probably care. And so we, we're, you know what? Be quick to forgive, be quick to show love. This is the kingdom. Jesus said that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples because you prophesy, because you cast out devils, because you raise the dead. Oh, that's great. I'm all for all that. Don't misunderstand me. But he didn't say that. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my followers. Why? Because you love. Love. Love takes no account of the wrong done to it. I don't have a running list of the things my boss did wrong to me or said to me. Woo. that's where we live, isn't it? Oh, Pastor, I told you this was miraculous. <laughs> Didn't I tell you? I told you. See, it, doesn't, it doesn't look spectacular, but it's still miraculous. It's miraculous not to hold on to a wrong done to you. It's miraculous to forgive when everything about your flesh says, Get even. It's miraculous. It's the power of God. It's love. The Bible says, even our faith is energized by love. See, if you want, <clears throat> if you want to hold on to the wrong somebody did you and all that, and then you got to, you, you're met with a crisis of life and you go into your prayer closet and you're going to pray, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have to get some work done up front first. Some people... If your prayer is not being answered, if I were you, that's what I'd do. I'd back up a step. And I'd make sure that I wasn't holding on to, to some kind of hurt or something that somebody had done me wrong. Man, I'm telling you, I'd forgive them. I'd let it go. You know what? Because what? I need my prayers to be answered. I need, I need my faith to work over here. But faith is energized and only works in an atmosphere of love. Are you listening? You know, think about it. when we come together like this in a celebration. Listen, if we've got anything against your brother or sister here and you're holding on to that, it will hinder what God wants to do in this service. It absolutely will. Because faith works in an atmosphere of so if we're mad at a brother or sister, or we, they, we feel like they've done us wrong, or they actually have done us wrong, what does the Scripture say? We're to go to that person, aren't we? And, you know, not in a condemning, criticizing, well, I'll tell you what, if you was any kind of a Christian, you wouldn't have done this. No, that's not the way to go. Now you're going to have another thing to forgive. <laughs> no, we go to them in love, don't we? Say you know, uh, you, you know. I go and say you know. You you probably don't even realize you you did this. But when 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 you 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 uh, I was walking to shake your hand and you turned and that hurt me. Or or you 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 had an attitude. You know. And a lot of times I found out things that hurt me. People did, most of the time people didn't even know they did it. They didn't have any bad intention there. But see, the offense I take up is still real. And it will hinder my faith, which will hinder my prayers, which will hinder what? My connection to God. We're talking about kingdom living, living in the kingdom. And so love is the greatest. And so, you know, you go to that person, you say, look, you know, uh, maybe you weren't aware, but when you did this or when you said that, it hurt me. But I just want you to know, you know, uh, I I, want to come. I want to get this right. I forgive you. And I want to make sure that there's nothing between us. Amen? If you need to do that. A lot of times, you know, I just, I just forgive on the run. You know what I mean by that? I don't have to go about straightening out everything. I just forgive, them, you know, on the fly. If they do that, man, I forgive. I just let it go. Isn't that right? I just let it go. Learn to love. Love drives away all fear, the Scripture says. And the antithesis of love, the Scripture teaches, is Fear. Fear. The Bible says, "When we are perfected in love, what does that mean? When we are conscious of how much God loves us." And listen, when we look to Calvary, I mean, what greater proof do you need than the fact that He laid His life down for you? What I mean, the Scriptures itself said, "Is there any greater way to show your love than if you would uh, somebody would give their life for somebody else?" I mean, I'm sure you, ha- you have family members that you would give your life for if it came down to it. There's no... That, what greater demonstration of love can there be than that? God's already demonstrated His love for us. And He said, this is why, why we were all sinners. We were outside the kingdom. We weren't in relationship, fellowship with God. But He showed His love toward us. What? When we were outside. Now... When we begin to be perfected in this love, and how do we perfect on it? Well, you remember what your mama taught you. Practice makes. So how do you get perfected in love? Practice it. Practice it. Practice forgiving. Practice going the extra mile. Practice showing acts of kindness to people in love. You say, yeah, but they're not even saved. They're a bunch of old sinners. Well, what were you when God showed his love to you? Isn't that right? But he said it will drive out fear. Most of the time, see, this is why you can understand that that faith only works in a love atmosphere because when you're fearful, your faith won't work. It's like trying to mix oil and water. You can get them in the same container, but you'll never get them to mix, will you? You stir that thing all you want to. You give it a few moments, guess what? The oil and water separate, don't they? Fear and faith cannot work together. Faith and love is what works together, and we walk in love. And then finally, the last one I want to touch on real quickly here before we close is hope. Hope is an expectation. The Bible says that, that hope, I, I like to put it this way, faith is the substance or gives substance to our hope. I like to look, think about it this way. Hope is like a blueprint for faith. Hope is like a blueprint for faith. You know, uh, uh, if you ever built a house or any structure or anything that was large enough, you know, you needed a blueprint. You know, I know when they were uh, building uh, the house we're in, now we're building that house, we we saw the blueprints. I'm so glad, you know, they didn't come there every day and just decide, well, let's see, uh, what are we going to do today? Well, you know I think we ought to put up let's do it different. I'm tired of just doing it the same old way. Let's put the roof up first.. Come on. Oh, we want something different. We want something new. Listen. God's kingdom works very well. He's got it figured out very well for us. But hope is a blueprint. What? See, if the enemy can steal your hope. You're going to, your, your whole kingdom living, your whole life is going to grind to a halt. You ever seen a hopeless person? I hope you've never been there. Have you ever been hopeless? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, a hopeless person. You have no energy. You have no vitality. I mean, you can get to the place you don't even want to get up out of bed, let alone go to work. And it's all because what? We lost our hope. We lost our dream. We lost our future somewhere. All the stuff that happened to me, it it hit me. It hit me. Life hit me. Hit hit me. It hit me, and I I let go, and I I lost my hope, and we become hopeless, and when we become hopeless. It's like a ship that doesn't have an anchor, or doesn't. There's nobody at the helm. It's just life. The winds of life just blow it whichever way it wants to go. You just and you don't even care. You're heading for the rocks. Or I don't care. Hope. It's a dream. It's a desire concerning our future. It's a blueprint. The scriptures even says that hope is like an anchor for our soul. You ever been in a storm in life? Oh boy! I'm telling you, when the storm hits, I mean, all of a sudden you lose your equilibrium, don't you? You know, wham! The winds hit you. The rain's driving in your face. A tree gets blown down over your garage, whatever, you know, in life. But it, you lose your equilibrium. I mean, one minute, it's, everything's wonderful. The next minute, bang. Life's turned upside down. And that's where hope becomes an anchor for your soul. Because you know what? Our hope is in the God of this kingdom. And he said, I will be with you. In trouble, and I will what deliver you. Amen. He He gives hope to the hopeless. The Bible says that we fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith, but also of our hope. And I found this out when the storm of life hits me. That's when I've learned. I didn't learn this immediately, but I've learned right away. I get my My sight fixed on a fixed point. Man, the wind's blowing me. I feel like this way. The rain's driving this way. Everything's happening. But I look out there just like a mariner in a storm looks for a lighthouse. And I look and fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. He is my hope. When the storms of life hit, I fix my gaze on Him. You say, How do I do that? God's Word, but God's Spirit. See, the storm's out here. This is where everything, you know, all this stuff is happening that I don't want to happen, but it's happening. It's real. Amen. The storm's real. It's happening. But in here where the Holy Spirit's dwelling is the eye of the storm. And you know what in the eye of the storm is? Peace. Do you know that even in the, in the eye of a hurricane, the, the, the most mammoth hurricane that's ever been recorded, in the eye of that storm, the sun was shining. The sky was blue. There was no rain. It's called the eye of the storm. See, it's out here in the storm wall where all the wind and all the rain and all the stuff, you know, and the storms of life hit us and all of our stuff is getting upset. It might be our finances. It might be our health. It might be our kids, whatever. All this stuff is flying around. But see, when I retreat to the Holy Spirit, first of all, before I do anything, there may be things I need to do, but before I do anything, I'm going I'm to retreat to the anchor I'm going to retreat to that where the quiet place, the still place is. And you know what the Holy Spirit's going to say? I got this. I got this. Don't worry, I got it. I got it. I got it. Now here's what you need to do. And He'll direct you to the Scripture. He'll direct you to, to things that you need to do. But the first thing He's going to tell you is, I got it. I got it. And the antithesis of hope, of course, is discouragement. Hopelessness, discouragement. You need to learn, and I need to learn, to live in what I call the operative powers of the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is not just in words, but in power. And faith and hope and love... These three are the chief operative powers of the kingdom. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. So what would that mean to us? How do I do that? Seek first love. Walk in love. Walk in forgiveness. Walk in long-suffering. Walk in patience. Be kind. Be gentle. You know, when you're doing that, you know what you're doing? You're seeking the kingdom. You're living in the kingdom. Faith hope when i do that you know what i'm seeking the kingdom i'm living in the kingdom and jesus said don't worry all this other stuff out here in the natural it'll line up or as he said it'll be added to you now i've got to close here in second timothy paul said this in two fifteen. he said study to show yourself approved that word translated study I looked at it and it was interesting, so I wanted to bring it out as I, I talk about some action points. It means to show speed. Not interesting connotation. That really struck me. Do you know that if you read the word, you gain a certain level of understanding and insight, but if you study the word, you'll add speed. That's like going from here to Birmingham. Now you know you could if you traveled. At five miles an hour, you'd eventually get to Birmingham. Take you a while, but you'd get there, wouldn't you? But you know what? If you went at 55, you you'll get there a whole lot faster. Isn't that right? And he said, when we study, we're what? We're going to show speed. I've got two things on your to-do list for this week, and then we're going to pray. Research or study these operative powers of God's kingdom—faith, hope, and love. Get in the Bible, get in the Scriptures, study these things. All I did today—I'm telling you—I I barely skipped the the rock, the stone across the water. But listen, you can study, and if you will study, seek out these three operative powers of the kingdom. You know what? You'll put on speed. You'll you'll begin to to live the love life and operate in faith and hope at a much much quicker, much sooner. And you know what? The sooner, the better. Amen? Because everything may be just wonderful in your life right now, and I'm not prophesying anything, but you know what? You know, uh, Dr. V used to say this all the time, but it's true. He said you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, Getting ready to go in and so That's about sizes it up, doesn't it? And that's not prophesying anything. That's just lit, that's just lit because we're living in this world. Secondly, begin this week applying these operative powers faith, hope, and love to your circumstance. In other words, live by them. Begin to live by them. When somebody does you wrong, that's an opportunity to do what? Love. Isn't that right? Well, that foul-mouthed person on the job site just blankety-blanking and blankety-blanking and blankety-blanking. Blankety, blankety, blankety. You're going to get all religious? Come on. Are you, are you going to walk in love? Jesus, he had thousands of people that was around him all the time, didn't he? Now, you know all those were choir boys, right? I'm sure he never heard a blankety blank. Not, come on, walk in love. Apply these. The crisis of life comes at you. Everything, you know, what do you do? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in the kingdom. I'm going to react in faith here. Jesus is going to be my lighthouse. I'm going to look to the Word. I'm going to look to the Holy Spirit in me. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I might do other things, but that's the first thing I'm going to do. And I'm not going to let go of the hope, the dream that God's given me concerning my life, concerning my family, concerning His purpose. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold strong to that. It will come to pass